Welcome to the Mothers You Know podcast. Thank you for being here. This is a place where we as women remember the spirit God gave us. We know how much we matter and we believe all things are possible to them that believe on this Savior Jesus Christ. Here at Mothers You Know, we support the parents of young men in the Sons of Healman and young women in the Daughters of Light programs at Life Changing Services. These programs provide therapeutic and mentoring services for youth struggling with depression, anxiety, self-harm, pornography, and any other unwanted or difficult behaviors. We offer parent support, training, and resources for mothers and fathers seeking the best way to support their loved one. Any mother is welcome to join in the Mothers Who Know classes support and training. You do not need to have a child in life-changing services to join in. We hope you'll join us. I am Karen Broadhead. I serve as the director of Mothers You Know, and I serve as the parent support specialist at life-changing services. I invite you to join with me and other mothers from across the country in our Warrior Mothers Who Know online support and training group. If you have a child struggling with pornography, depression, anxiety, or other difficult behaviors, you will find a safe and uplifting place to learn from other moms and learn principles and strategies to best support your loved one. Please go to motherswhoknow.org to find the online meeting details. We talk about difficult things here with the intent to shine light in dark corners and to eliminate isolation and shame. We are mothers with warrior hearts who are raising the warriors of this generation. We know we must learn to fight well for ourselves first, then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Okay, welcome. I'm so glad that you've joined us here at the Mothers You Know podcast channel. We have lots of different kinds of things that you can listen to on this channel, but something I have felt impressed to talk about lately, and I have three amazing moms here with me that are willing and available to have a discussion with me about mental health. Maybe you've been in a meeting recently and you've heard Maurice Harker mention that his feelings about mental health and having just seeing value in normalizing mental health checkups for our families, making it just a thing that we do in our homes with our families. We talk about mental health. Mental health is a real thing. And he also just said, we need to make just it normal to go to a mental health provider just for a checkup, like we would a dentist or a pediatrician with our family. And so that's what we're here to discuss today is, well, what would that be like? And, and how do you feel about that? What would the value of that be? Would that improve anything or not? And we're just going to have a discussion about that. But one of the places that I wanted to start is just inviting you as the listener to just consider as we're discussing this, what would I add to this discussion? What do I think about this? What kind of experience do I have? And if there's anything you would like to add to this conversation, I would invite you to email me at mothers, you know, 
at lifechangingservices.org. Just with any of your thoughts, it'd be fun to hear what you have to add as well. So I have Susie and Markel and Laura here. And just recently, I know Laura was in a meeting with me recently, and Maurice brought this up. And so the very next week, one of the moms, what he did in that meeting, Laura, do you remember? He said, so he said, I'm just going to open this link for everybody just because we need to start moving this direction. What do you remember about that meeting? So you can tell the listeners kind of what I did. And then I'm going to go to Susie. He encouraged all of us to invite our families and to make it more normal. Like for myself doing it with my girls, what I did, I had, it was time to schedule their dental appointments. And so I know that they all needed to have mental health checks as well. And one of my daughters had kind of been fighting me about doing that. And when he encouraged that and opened those spots, I quickly made the appointments for him. And then I told the girls, Hey, um, I made your dental appointments and then also just mental health checks. I said, we're going to go ahead and do that. Just like your dentist appointments every six months, just so that you can have someone check in. I said, mom doesn't know everything. Mom doesn't have all the answers. I wish I did, but that way you can talk to them and I'm not going to be there. I don't, it's between you and that way you can feel comfortable venting what we're going through. And if you need any help with anything and Yay, they were receptive to it. <laughs> and they just recently, on Monday and Tuesday, they had it. And they said it was a really great experience. And so I was so thankful <laughs> that, that he encouraged that. And and that helped me. And so when I, I asked him, I said, so when's the next appointment? They said, oh, in, in six months, I'm going to check again with him. Mom. And I said, okay, well, that's good. Just made it as it's normal. Just like I've been getting all their doctor appointments taken care of and setting everything, all that up. This, I told them, we just need to have someone to check in with all the time. Just one, you know, every six months we'll check in. And so that was what he encouraged us to do. And it worked. It did great. <laughs> that's so, it's so neat. And it was so neat to hear you describe what that looked like, Laura, when you did that. Okay, girls, I have scheduled your dental appointments and your mental health checkup. And they were like, huh? But you were just, you know, and the way that you went about, I don't know everything. Like, I don't know how to look at your teeth, but I don't know how to look at your brain either. Right. It's just a, so that was really cool. And it helps mom so much to hear. What does it sound like when you do that? Because yeah, there's some challenging things behind it. And you also made me think of something, Laura, and it is that we should probably tell our listeners a little bit about just what our family looks like. Do I mean, Mm -hmm. so if I were to, to share that with the listeners, I would say, I'm a mother of five. I have a blended family. I have three adult children. Oh, 30. I think my oldest is 34 now. And my youngest, I have three adult children who are having children. I have 10 grandchildren. And then I have a 10 year span. And then I have two young single adult kids. I have a 21 year old and a soon to be 20 year old. I have two girls and three boys. So that's kind of what I'm looking at as I'm considering this is that's what my family looks like right now. And it's been quite a journey when we blended our family. My oldest, who's now 34, was six. And then our girl was four. 
and our littlest guy was almost three. So, okay, so Laura, give everybody a picture. Okay, for me, I am a mother of five. My oldest is 23, and then uh, one that's 21. My oldest is transgender. Then I have an 18-year-old, and let's see, the others are, my youngest is 15, and then one that just turned 17. And so they were all born um, at birth girls. <laughs> and right now I am a single mom. And just recently in the middle of the divorce at the tail end of it, but we were together for 27 years and married for 25. And so, and there's a lot of mental health things in our family. There's depression, there's severe depression and there's bipolar. And so there's a need to make it normal. I know for us with my kids, I know my husband being bipolar, when my oldest who is bipolar and also my youngest right now, the 15 year old recently diagnosed as, as such as well. But um, having, I know for the oldest, when that like diagnosis came along for her, it was, there was a shame involved in it. And she was like, I don't want to be like dad. <laughs> and the way I talk, talk to her about it, as I said, baby, I said, we're so lucky to live in a day and age where there's things that can help us. I said, there's things that can help you to feel better. And we live in this day and age where there's opportunity for us to have something that will help us. And it's not something that you have to hide and be embarrassed about. There's just we all have different things. Mama gets depressed at different times. And so when mama gets really heavy depressed, then I take medication for it. And, and it's okay that I need it every once in a while. And it's okay that that happens, but there's the importance, especially for to normalizing the need for mental health checks and to be like, to help them understand that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with them. This is just part of life. It's just like, I walk with a walker and okay, it's okay that I walk with a walker. That doesn't mean that I'm broken or a bad person, or it doesn't mean, it just means I walk with a walker. <laughs> and so likewise for them, that's what I want them to understand as well. So, but that's, yeah, that's my picture, my family. So. That's so good. Thank you so much. Okay. Susie, let's come to you. Give us a picture of your family and kind of how you've approached mental health at your house. And I'm really grateful to know, I sent out like a note to all the mothers and said, I'm looking for some volunteers to do a discussion about this. And I have to tell you, Susie, I was very thrilled when you said, I'm in, I'm in, because I thought <laughs> this is something that you know about. And so it's, I'm just grateful. <laughs> All right. I'm the oldest in my family, meaning I married somebody younger. I've got my husband by about four years, and this is my second marriage. My first marriage, I was very, very young. I married at 19 and divorced at 20. So I married a very abusive man and got the heaven out of Dodge. 
<laughs> there's something very unique about me that you need to know. And that is that I've always been very introspective. I, I come from a home of crazy people that were never treated. And it's interesting, mental health. I'll try not to go too deep into it, but you have to understand my background. And I'll just give you a, a snapshot. Hi, this is Casey. I'm the editor for this podcast. Sorry for the intrusion. We just wanted to let you know that coming up here, there will be a couple times where Susie's audio will seem just a little weird for a couple words, and they're simply inclusions that Susie wanted to add to give a little more clarity, specifically on her father's diagnosis, and a little bit later so that her transition from talking about one thing to another makes sense and doesn't seem like she's referring to something she's not. So... Wanted to let you know that the audio will sound just a little weird, and it's simply because they were recorded at different times, which just makes the audio a little weird. So we hope you will continue to enjoy this podcast. So sorry for the intrusion, and hope you have a wonderful day. I, I have a father that we think had borderline personality disorder. But one minute they're your friend, and the next minute they hate your guts. So that was nasty to be involved with. And a mother who was, we think, autistic, just so one who's really involved with your life and wants to be a part and wants to raise you in very nurturing one minute and the next minute, very punitive, punishing, angry. So I grew up with that and all sorts of kinds of abuse from my father. And I had four siblings and the two of us were really close in age. And then one that was 10 years younger than me and one that was... 18 years younger than me. And then, yeah, so just a little bit more information. When my dad died of a heart attack, it's almost 60. My oldest brother couldn't take it and killed himself. So my mom's just a mess and I don't have much to do it. Now back to my childhood. Anyway, so how did my family handle that? Well, it was interesting. I watched as my parents were dealing with a child that was running away all the time to try to get away from this craziness, my older brother. And I watched how he went in and out of court and finally the court assigned him to a foster home and they assigned us to a family therapist. And I'm not sure how my dad got away with this. We went to two family therapy appointments. The second family therapy appointment the guy pulled me up from the basement because me and my brother that was 10 years younger than me were downstairs playing. So I was probably 12 and he was probably two. He pulled me upstairs and he asked me some questions about the family. And I gave him some very candid answers and a very specific story. My dad was glaring at me because it was about a situation where my dad had been raging and attacking my brother. We never went back to that therapist. That stuck in my mind that the therapist cared and wanted to know what was going on in my life. That stuck with me my whole life. So when I was single at Riggs, I sought out a therapist, but I didn't have much time before I left for, for uh, a similar job. So when I got into that first marriage and things were just blowing up and nasty and awful toward the end of it, I stood up for myself and I'm like, no, you don't treat me like this. And he's like, well, you're my wife, you're my property. I'm like, no, that's not true. And he was just shocked. He wasn't expecting me to stand up to him. And I'm like, here's a bunch of literature from the prophets saying, no, you can't treat me this way. 
And so then the marriage started to crumble. We had a person in our state presidency that our bishop referred us to that was a therapist. So we saw this therapist. I saw him. I told him what was going on. My ex, who was my husband at the time, came for the last two minutes. So I sat out and he talked to him. And then he said, I want to meet with the two of you again. So he didn't show up at that second one. And the state presidency gave me a, a card and said, divorce this guy. He's nuts. You know, he owns a gun from his job that he just got. He's a psychopath. You need to get a divorce. Here's a guy that will get you a divorce and take payments. So I, <laughs> I filed for a divorce, went to work that night. I got a phone call from my soon-to-be ex who said, I'm going to sue you for a divorce. And I said, you're getting served papers in the morning. You can't do that to me, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, you're getting served papers in the morning. Goodbye. You know, just so, you know, I coming from that background, 13 years later, I marry my depressed husband. We dated 13 months and I have severe post-traumatic stress disorder. I have medications. I have a really good therapist. I have three children with my husband. I have an 18-year-old, just fresh 18-year-old in July. And then my son turned 16 in August. And then my youngest daughter will be 15 in September. And my oldest has autism, high-functioning. And she has obsessive compulsive disorder, mostly obsessive. And we're getting her into the OCD and anxiety center next week. The full blown intensive outpatient treatment. I'll be there five days a week with her for three hours. So it'll be, I'll be there 12 to our seven, leave at seven, get back at like 1145. So that'll be interesting, Karen, on Thursdays. <laughs> But yeah, so we're getting her some help for her OCD. And then my youngest is in Eternal Warriors with Kim. And then my son's been doing Sons of Helaman and he just graduated. Talked about that a little bit before. My husband has depression and I have severe post-traumatic stress disorder. We should not have stayed married. We beat the odds because we've had some therapy and I should quit there because other people need to talk. So good. Okay, Markel, tell us a little bit about your family and kind of what your experiences with just mental health. All right. We have six children and our oldest is 23 and then I have 21, 18, 15, and the 15 year old is a boy. All the others are a girl. <laughs> and then we have a 12 year old and a nine year old. So we have a a nice span and they're all home this summer. So we've been having fun. And I have done a lot of therapy myself. And I will say, I'm just going to be vulnerable. Ah, brought up a lot of feelings. And it's been a really long journey. A lot of things. It's been very challenging just in that. I think a lot of people don't know how to address, you know, people who might be struggling with mental health issues. You know, I also have struggled with PTSD pretty severely. I have done some things that actually have really helped resolve that, which has been exciting. And therapy was a huge part of that and support groups. And I too don't think I would be where I'm at today without having had therapy. And also our marriage is actually doing well. 
and thriving and, you know, we're making progress in that area. And so that makes me happy and it's been worth the fight for our marriage and our family, which we didn't think would succeed either. And it has, and there've been lots of blessings. So, you know, I have, so that is probably the biggest area of therapy that we have used in our family. My husband did go to some of the support groups as well, the men's marriage repair. I've done the women's marriage repair. And so one thing that I have noticed, because there are, you know, family members that have not sought out therapy. And one thing that I have noticed, and it's been weighing heavy on my mind is they continue going through a lot of pain and it does not get better as they get older. And my thought is, ah, you would just get some mental health, just some therapy, just talk through it. You know, they would be freed from a lot of that bondage if they would put in the work. And so, of course, we can love them and, you know, honor them where they're at. And it is challenging for everyone around when people don't get the therapy that they need. And a lot of that is, I do think there's still a lot of shame around therapy, whatever people think about that. And I really think there is so much to offer now, so much help. And if you find a therapist that maybe you don't fit well with, try another one. Maybe it's just not a good match. It doesn't mean that therapy is bad. It means, okay, maybe we just need to try for a different match. And I have seen nothing but good with attending therapy. And it has been, you know, a lot of years and it is a lot of hard work and it also creates safety when we have plans on how to navigate through the challenges that we're facing in life. And that is very healing for the brain. And I love that. And so I think, you know, getting a mental health help brings hope. It brings peace. It helps to bring what we want in our lives to our lives, connection with our families, learning to love ourselves, finding our, our self-worth. And, and so it is worth the investment. It is worth the time. And I would encourage those who have been wondering if they really should do that or not to just, you know, take that step, find a good therapist and, and see how it brings about change in your life. Markel, you mentioned that some of your family members who could benefit from some mental health support weren't getting that support. Initially, when you decided, I don't think I'm going to get some support, was it difficult for you? Did you have some kind of limiting beliefs you had to get over? Or was it like, totally bring it on? Well, you know, when I first reached out, our marriage was not doing well at all. And so I was thinking at first, okay, we need to go to marriage therapy together. And I will say from what I've learned now, it, that was not a positive situation. I, I didn't really have uh, hardly any experience with therapy, mental health counselors, any of that. Well, I shouldn't say any, but very limited. And the counselor we were attending was not a good match. It was not good for our marriage. I kept hanging on because I knew we needed therapy and I had this and my husband was coming and I thought, 
well, he's coming, you know, we've got to get some good out of that. And so I just started praying because I really felt like it was a negative influence. And so through those prayers, I was led to another therapist and I did have to wait. We waited two and a half months to get in. And then when you get on the call and you're told you have a collapsed marriage, that is not what you want to hear. And I was like, whoa. And so that was the beginning of the journey. So I am really grateful I hung on. I just knew the importance of therapy. And that was going to be the only way we were going to make it at that point in our marriage. And even though we didn't have a good match and it wasn't what we needed, I hung in until I could find somebody else. And then we made the switch. And then that was what we needed. So, so good. Ah, okay. So Laura, what have you noticed? Well, you know what, before I ask you that, I have a thought that I'm skipping right here. And it is, I know in my family, we're predisposed to depression and bipolar, you know, as we blended our families, there's issues that people have had before my children that makes them more susceptible or things to watch for. And then there have been some things that have also come up. So some of the struggles with mental health that my family has faced is chronic depression, mild depression, anxiety, bipolar, and then just relationship dynamics where we just can't communicate or or we, we aren't on the same page, but we have the same values. We value the same things, but we can't get on the same page. Or maybe we're facing something in our life that has a higher level of stress in it. And we've never been there before. And we've needed some support about how do I do all that's required of me in my life and have this level of something that's I've never done before. So how do we navigate that? So those are some things we've needed mental health support on. So what I'm hoping that you as the listeners out there are noticing is that these three women and myself, we just have been, you know, going through a journey of life here in mortality, just like you have making the best choices that we know how to make given the circumstances that we're in. And we have all noticed, as you can hear, some really significant mental health needs in our lives. And so I'm hoping that if you're noticing that in your family and you've been feeling like we are so messed up, (laughs) right? We are We're so the messy three. Right? <laughs> four. Yeah. So I and you know what? That is a cute way to take it, but I didn't actually mean you as the listener were thinking that yeah, we were so messed up. It. Yeah. <laughs> now I get why you girls were laughing. I was like, that was that wasn't that funny, was it? But now you were taking it that way. So what I What I meant to say, what I meant to say was you as the listener, if you're thinking about your home and your family, like we, your family at your house are so messed up. I just want you to notice that, yeah, we, 
I didn't just go out and say, let's get the most mentally unhealthy people to have this thing. I said, <laughs> I just said, Hey, who would volunteer? And as they volunteered, I was like, great, let's do this. But I just know this is something we need to talk more about as moms. Cause if we're going to be the leader that leads out in scheduling any kind of health appointment from our home, whether it's, you know, oral health, physical health, mental health, whatever it is, usually the mom has that job. And if we can't even talk about or approach our own mental health things we've noticed and talk about those things, sometimes it will be really too difficult for us to even portray to our family or our children that mental health is a real thing. It's a very significant thing. Yeah. So I wanted to say that first before. So Laura, please go ahead, Laura. I was thinking how that with the last over the last 10 months or so where I joined Mothers Who Know and how I was led to find you guys, how it's become a normal thing for my children that they all know, oh, Tuesdays is mom's therapy day. That's what they call it. And they know, oh, no, no, that's mom. We can't plan something on that because that's mom's therapy day. And they have noticed the difference in me and in this coming being in a broken marriage and not having the confidence in myself because of the things that I went through. I know therapy is imperative. I, for myself, when I had some abuse happen when I was younger and for quite a long while of my youth. And when I was 18, I decided that I needed to get therapy. My mom is a severe depressed person. And at the time she wouldn't take her medication. And I told her, mom, I'm going to go get help and you need to take your medicine. I'm not in charge of you taking your medicine. You need to do it if you want, but I need to fix me and work out these things that have happened to me. If I want to be the mom that, because my goal or my biggest passion is being a mom. And I wanted to be a healthy mom. And the only way I could be a healthy mom, I knew was to learn how to go through all the steps that are that the process of healing that is required in order to, in order to emulate to the girls, the same thing, my children, the same thing, like um, in the very end, you know, it was two and a half years of intense therapy and three times a week, which included group therapy and then confronting my abuser. And that was such an empowering kind of feeling that I experienced and being able to walk through the whole cycle because there was the anger and all those things that you feel, but that, that has helped me. I look back now on my life and the experience. Yes, I'm going through this right now and what's happening in our family, but leaning on that I remember feeling the hope and that's what I feel again. And that's what my children see they're seeing right now is that mom, you're happier. And it's because mom's doing therapy and mom, you know, they know I meet with Karen on Thursdays and mom, we're really proud of you. And to hear your kids say that at times they still say the other kinds of things, you know, they're not always proud of me, but at times when they do say those little pearls, it's enough to carry me through for a couple months <laughs> for them to hear just that they can see that I am trying. And in me trying, I want them to know that, that we're imperfect and 
in me trying, I want them to know that, hey, it's okay if something's not right in yourself. If you're not feeling right in something, it's okay. And let's get help. And I know therapy, when I did do the therapy at 18, I remember my mom had taken me someone at 16 to somebody and it wasn't a good fit. It didn't feel right. But when I met the one that I did, it was the perfect person at the right place, the right time. And she really helped me to remember my worth. And I think as mothers, as we help our children to remember their worth, even in the midst of the storms, it not only helps us, but helps them and it will help our posterity and generations to come. And so if we can help each other to know it's okay, you know, we're all, we, we all have some imperfections that's why we're here you know on this earth to learn and grow and support one another and and I think being able to be vulnerable and share our experiences and our truth that is a way that we can help each other as we're you know not hiding what's happening but sharing our story I think when we do that then it helps bring to light that okay you know what it's all right that it's not this perfect little picture that everyone says it should be it's okay and we're going to get through this and we're going to keep on and I think if we can do that that helps us our posterity and generations to come so So those are just some thoughts so good I just know when I had a big fallout like this is not what my parents dreamed of for my life I'm getting a divorce. You know, I was so ashamed that my parents would notice that I'm having something that looks like that's not okay. And I was, I was just so nervous to tell my parents that I was going to a therapist. Uh, I was so worried. I kept it from them as an adult for a long time because I didn't want them to be ashamed or feel bad and it took me a long time to tell my parents that you know that I was taking an antidepressant you know that was really difficult for them maybe but in my mind I just knew it'd be so difficult for them I don't know if it was horribly difficult for them I've never interviewed them about it but it's just been really interesting to notice how much of what I thought about myself and my own mental health and what that meant about me came from this belief that I had that people that have mental health challenges that need therapy, that's really messed up. You know, you, if you need medicine to feel better, then, you know, that's really sad and not okay. And if you really need a therapist and medicine, that's not okay. But I have noticed over the years as my parents have watched all of their seven children grow and have real lives and go through lots of things that look just like I described for me, just those few things. Yeah. I can tell now they've kind of arrived at this place. Like, I think this is what people do. So Markel, you had something. I missed your hand there. Oh, Yeah. So that whole saying of, I'm so messed up. Well, I remember thinking that very thing. I was so messed up. 
<laughs> my mind. I couldn't think clearly. I had a lot of opposition, man. Satan was really trying to destroy me and who I was. And it was really hard because I had it from so many angles. And so I was like, Laura, and I'm like, I have got to get myself help because I needed to figure out how to fix me. And one thing I don't, you know, I think I grew up as well and a lot of shame around mental health issues and even to the point, oh, you're bad, you know, and I think, ah, such a satanic attack right there and actually a misunderstanding because we all are here to learn and grow and improve and we are going to have struggles and challenges and that's why we have you know, people trained in different things, you know, therapists, if we want, need an electrician, we're going to go there for that, you know? And so I think realizing we're all messed up, we just all have things in different ways. And if we can get past that, and even remember that, you know, when we're reaching out for help, that's going to help us to grow and progress. And Satan wants us to be stuck in how messed up we are. And, you know, we can be stuck and remain messed up, or we can step out, step forward, make the appointment, get in with a therapist, start doing our work. And one thing that this is the thing that I wanted to share is for a long time, I resisted. I was so upset and resisted my story my story is a horrible story and I don't even share it that much it's that horrible and it really wasn't until I started to accept my story and look at what have I learned where am I now you know what am I learning and how can I help other people with this story that I started to have healing and growth and improvement. And that has been a blessing. It has been a blessing for myself and others. It also allowed me to allow those that needed to make the changes that they did to also have that healing and progression that they needed. And so I guess looking at trauma or just life's challenges, one huge help is to accept it rather than resist it or keep rejecting it or trying to stuff it down or ignore it, pretend like it's not there. All of those things just keep you stuck. And we want to move forward and move out of that. And so that's where going to therapy and learning the tools to help are just wonderful. Susie, please. Couple of things on mental health checkups. First of all, I didn't really get in with a good therapist until I had my third child and only, I only had two hands at that point and I had a third child and suddenly I was overwhelmed and my PTSD just kicked in because suddenly I had three crying children because my oldest had autism. She wasn't used to share. She had to share with one kid, three-year-old. Now she had to share with two crying children. So she was crying and it was just overwhelming. So I was talking to some friends and my neighbor was my Relief Society president. She suggested that I get a therapist and I, I read her the right act. I told her, I said, I've been to therapy and they teach you skills and I have the skills. Thank you very much. I told her off. 
And she's a very sweet, soft-spoken lady. And she mentioned it to me again. And I finally said, look, I'll pray about it. And that'll, that'll, that'll shut you up, basically. I mean, it wasn't that rude. but And I went and prayed about it. And the answer was, yeah, you need to go get some therapy. <laughs> so I, what I did was I went on Psychology Today. And they have, like, profiles. You, got, you can read profiles of people in your state. And if what they're you say you said say what their religion was and what what they did whether it was EMDR or whether it was cognitive behavioral therapy you can read up a bunch of stuff and I found a lady and it was interesting she ran her own therapy clinic and she was really really good and I called her and I talked to her and she says I'll take you on and I found out later that she had a waiting list, but she liked me. So she just took me on, found out it was because I was a worker and she liked to work with workers. Normally she would have just put me with one of her other people, but she just took me like that. And we worked together for years until she started to take a different direction and wanted to start writing books and doing TV shows and stuff. But from her, I found my current therapist and we are such, we work so well. She has trauma herself and goes to a therapist, but she doesn't have the trauma to the level I have the trauma. I've been traumatized every way you can think possible, except for being trafficked. I haven't been trafficked everything else pretty much. So that was how I found a therapist for me, first of all. So you can get online and there's websites that kind of like you when you find your doctor, you know, there's the physician's online thing that you can find a doctor or your dentist or whatever. They have Psychology Today, they have websites, it's great. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys was when I was seeing that first therapist, I'd seen a lot of, I'd ha- I did employee, you don't need to have the employee thing where you can see 12 sessions. I'd been doing the Band-Aid thing for years because you, they didn't have any employees, employee assistance. You know, you can have 12 appointments, so I did the Band-Aid thing for years until I could actually get a therapist when I got married to my husband. The other thing is for that first therapist that I saw for a long time, she actually, we actually got my oldest daughter in for some therapy when she was in second grade. Her th- teacher was like, I think she might be on the autism spectrum. You might have her tested. We had her tested. She was on the autism spectrum. So we had her do some therapy for a little while. But for some reason that died on the vine. But at some point, my therapist was saying, yeah, really should do, it would be really good if you did mental health checkups every six to 12 months, because your husband has depression and he was seeing a therapist at that point, but he finally got to a point where he's like, well, I'm not doing what they're telling me to do. So why should I go? So he quit. He's still on medication, but he won't go to see a therapist. He never had a good fit. I think if he went to a guy instead of seeing some lady and he found a guy that was a good fit. The reason therapy started working for me, really working for me, it was about the relationship. I needed to have a safe relationship where I could talk about what I needed to talk about and feel safe and have that cognitive behavioral therapy or sometimes dialectical behavior therapy or sometimes a little exposure therapy, but I needed to have a safe relationship where I knew that she had my back, you know? And Mark, I don't think he ever had that because she would swear at him sometimes. She would be like, that's, you know, that's kind of how his mom would treat him, you know? And his mom was the problem. 
I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> She's a wonderful grandma now. She's a wonderful lady. But back then, he, she was so angry at God and so angry at her husband because he died. And he was only 18 months old. And so she just took it out on him, you know. And he has depression. And he really could. He needs a therapist. <laughs> anyway, we never did those six to 12 month checkups because my husband's like, no that's not necessary you know and I couldn't talk him into it you know he's like they're just trying to get more money I'm like no really that's a really great idea as our kids grow up they're and now I have a, a daughter with anxiety that you know Kim Davis is trying to help and we really need to get her somebody an anxiety test you know and my son just came up to me and he says you know I just I wonder if I'm depressed you know I just, I feel like a loser all the time. And my husband's like, well, maybe we should get to test for depression. You know, I have depression. And, you know, it's just like, I really think it's a good idea to get five to six months mental health checkups. I mean, I get mine weekly <laughs> and monthly from my med manager. And then my daughter's going to be getting them as she goes to the OCD and anxiety center, because even after she gets done, she has to go monthly to check in to make sure and there'll be a support group and so she'll be taken care of but I got my younger two kids that are really struggling you know one with anxiety and one with he thinks he has depression so that was the other thing was when I was finding help for my daughter I went to the high school because she was just doing so much homework and perfectionistic and can't give up on doing it perfect and not getting enough sleep, not socializing, just homework, 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 you know, and I've got to be perfect. And my husband's saying, speed over accuracy, just speed over accuracy, not getting this whole obsessive thing. He didn't get it. And I'm like, I said to him one night, I said, quit being depressed. Just quit being depressed. He's like, you know, I can't do that. I'm like, well, then quit telling her to quit being obsessed. Can't flip the switch, can you? And he stomped off, you know. But it's the same thing. It's mental health, you know? So mm. it's it's really hard when you have people in the family and they're not being treated, you know? And, and that's something I'd love to discuss is when you know your family needs something, but somebody's not on board. And I'm sure Laura had some of this that she struggled with. How do you get that other person on board, especially if they're the one that's putting the bill? Okay, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna call an audible here. And what I'm wondering is, as I've been listening, I'm like thinking, really, this issue is so much bigger than just a discussion of what do you think about taking your kids for a six month mental health checkup, right? It's more like, hello, listener, this is a real issue. Like all of these amazing women here on this podcast have had a significant issues with understanding that that brought them to this understanding that mental health is the difference between being successful and unsuccessful it's the difference between finding joy or being miserable like you really you there there's it's so important that I would say you know we're mostly catering to an LDS audience but I would say you know any Christian who just wants to live a good life and be good. One of the things that I don't think we recognize is, yeah, 
anyway, I'm, I'm starting to go a different direction. But what I was getting at was, I think we should do a series of these. I think we should have a little bit of a series. And that we should, we should end today on just the realization of that very thing, that mental health, why it's so important. And that none of us you know, came to earth and got to a certain age where we could think on our own and thought, you know, I think I'm just going to have some mental health problems. You know, um, I don't think anybody chooses that. But I also no. don't think, I also don't think that people, I think most people look at what's on the outside of a person, like what behaviors do you see? What do they act like or, or talk like, or what do they look like, you know, and that's kind of, that's the picture. And we need to know that that's not the picture that actually our, the way we behave or act comes from a place on the inside of us where our mental health is you know it comes from a place of our of our our mind our thoughts and our heart our feelings and if we don't know that mental health is how we think and how we feel and whether how we think and feel supports what's required of us in our lives physically you know like on the outside of us I think a lot of people get confused thinking, well, it seems like you're a breathing, talking, moving person. Why don't you just stop being weird? You know, how, what if you stop, you know? So I think we need to understand that that's on the inside of us and as, and we shouldn't just judge from what's outside, what we see outside of people. And that's so easy to do, right? And Karen, I might add like me, I think I pretty much walked around like there was nothing wrong <laughs> and my head was spinning. Yeah. And so we, we can't judge really. We don't know who is struggling with mental health. Nobody would have ever guessed that I was struggling. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there are a lot of people that are really needing mental health help that look perfectly fine and like they have their whole life together and they really do need to seek some help. Yeah, so do you think that we walk around without anybody knowing that and come up with maybe compensating ways to show up in our lives on the outside, but on the inside, what's going on with our mental health is affecting, it finally affects us to such a great degree that it comes out on the outside. Mm -hmm. So it has to be addressed, but there are those people who can just kind of go through, you know, and just say, I'm just going to keep it in. I'm not going to address it. Nobody would ever guess it. And they could be feeling so much more joy and peace and settled about where they're at if they would address it on the inside, not just try to manage it like a, you know, corralling something all the time. Yeah. So with that, we are going, this is the first in our series. We are creating a series of mental health podcasts. Um, and it's going to be, it's going to be great. So our next episode will cover a little bit more, but with this, as we end you gals that are here, is there anything that you would add to just, you know, what you've noticed about 
that mental health really matters and that it is something that needs to be addressed because we talked more about us personally and what we've seen in our biological homes as children and growing up and then here you know in our own homes now that where we're mothers anything that you would add yeah, I would say I am really grateful for the mental, mental health support that I've had and that I can act and stay true to my values and who I am versus reacting and just exploding, you know, where you hold it all in and you have the volcano or you say you just throw up all over everybody. Mm-hmm. It feels really good to have the ability to act and stay in alignment with my values and who I am and maintaining my dignity at all times. And to me, that does bring great joy because then I don't have to feel the guilt and shame for having said that or behave like that. And then I have to clean that up and then, you know, do more mental health work. And so for me, it's been well worth to be able to have that self-mastery. That's awesome. So good. Yeah. And let's see, Lord, did you have something on yeah. your mind? Okay. Yeah. On. I was thinking that like how she mentioned, I, I tell my kids all the time that, you know, I am here for you when you need it. And you guys remember my tongue were like a, what is it? A kettle. And I said, you got to let that steam out. You have to let the steam out. And if you keep it all in, you're going to feel like you can't handle life anymore and you're going to blow up. I said, so you've got to just let steam out every once in a while. I said, so that you can feel like, okay, I can do this. And in fact, my daughter last night, it was two in the morning and she texted and the 21 year old, and it was good. She was thinking about my dad who is deceased and she was shared with me some texts that he would send her. And it was saying, hi, beautiful, and I miss you, and I can't wait to hear you singing again, and just really positive things. And then she said, mom, you sound just like grandpa. And I said, what do you mean? And she says, all the things that you tell me, they're like grandpa. And I said, well, because it's true. And my dad would joke around, say, if you don't believe me, just ask me, I'll tell you it's true. (laughs) And little things like that, that he'll say, and I do that with my girls at times. But I, I think it's important for them to know that like last night, she was feeling depressed and down and her being able to call me, you know, and message me. And she's, and then in the very end, after it was about 30 or 40 minutes that we were messaging. And then she said, mom, thank you for being there. Thank you for for always taking the time, no matter what time of the night or hours it is, you're there. And I said, you're welcome, baby. I love you. But I think it's so important to, for them to know that it's okay to feel like you're broken, I guess, in a sense, it's okay to feel like, okay, I can't take any more of this (laughs) and, and to reach out when you're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. And we have so many, you know, how you talk about atmosphere angels And I think there's, there are so many around us. I I always tell my girls, there's angels all around us. There always has been. And God has always placed good people in our lives that love us and love you. And they want the best and want joy for you. 
And I think if we can continue to help each other know that it's okay that we're, there's a Matt Townsend always says jacked up, that we're all jacked up and it's okay, we're all jacked up. It's okay that that's going on and let's continue to be there for one another and seek out the help and know that it's okay to seek out the help. Know that the healthier we are for ourselves, the better example we emulate to those around us and to our family that it's okay to reach out for help and you don't expect the perfect little picture of this is how it's supposed to be a mom and a dad and a boy and a girl and you know it's those there is no perfect picture and there's only one perfect perfect person and that's Christ and I think as Christians that is we all can help one another to focus on that and love like him choose to be like him we will feel that peace that we seek and that we want our children also to have as well we i i think all of us that's one thing all of us have in common we all want better for the next generation for those that are in our stewardship we all want better for them. And I think that's a, a major common thing for all of us here today is that we, we're all jacked up, but we all want better for each other and having a support system and having, knowing that it's okay to have therapy and it's a great thing. And it's a tool that is out there that is necessary. I think we're all the better for it as we do. So mm. yeah, those are just some of my thoughts. Thank you. <laughs> Susie, anything that you would like to say just to close up? So having been through therapy for so many years and having somebody who's been benevolent with me, that's very different than how my, my parents were with me. And what do you mean by benevolent? Someone who's loving and kind, patient, and caring, no matter what I tell her. I have a big old grin on my face for the listeners. My husband has depression and sometimes he's never abusive, but sometimes he gets cranky. Those of you who have husbands with depression understand, and even maybe husbands without depression, it just seems like our society has allows men to be happy or angry. They don't, they don't seem to be allowed to have other emotions. It seems like a lot of men, not all men, but anyway, so it was nice to be in a place with an individual who has a wide range of emotions, but never treats me ill. Always treats me with kindness and compassion. I, in the past, treated myself with enough unkindness. I, I was a lot like my son, thought I was a loser and I could do no, no good. <laughs> you, you hear those people that can do no wrong. I was one that could do no right. I've come a long way in the last 16, 17 years. I have a lot better self-esteem. I know that my Savior loves me. I've always known that, but it's come to the forefront more. I now know that God loves me. And these things help me to be a better mom. They help me to, I mean, I've always loved my children, but now I can say with confidence, I can stand more upright and I can look them in the eye and I can say, you know, I know that my Savior loves me and I know that 
if there was no one else on earth that needed the atonement of Jesus Christ, he would have gone in the garden those three times and performed that part of the atonement, which was excruciating. And it's called the wine press for a reason. And he was pressed. He was bruised, broken, and torn for us. Not only on the cross, but in Gethsemane, our sins crushed him and crushed the blood out of him, literally, for me. And that wasn't because he had to do it to be obedient. It was because he loved me. He loved me. I was worth that. Just me. Not because I'm all good and all that, but because I'm me. Just because I'm Susie and I'm precious to him. And because of that, I can look at them when they're feeling like losers and say, stop. You're not a loser. You're precious. I love how Elder Holland says, you know, the grand commandment is that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength. But the, that's the grand commandment. But the grand truth of all eternity is that our Father in heaven loves us with all of his heart, might, mind, and strength. I mean, he created everything you see on this earth, all the beautiful oceans, beaches, canyons trees mountains valleys everything anytime you go anywhere beautiful god created that for you i mean i've learned all of this in therapy and i know it's true and so i can teach my children with a conviction that i couldn't have when they were babies and that has made all the difference and i've had to do the work i used to say i used to thank my therapist when i would leave and she's like, you, you've done all the work. I've just listened, you know? And then I'd say, well, it's God. And my therapist would say, stop splatting the walls. Stop splatting the compliments. You've had to do hard work too. So yeah, therapy is hard work and you have to work through some difficult things, but it's so, so worth it. And if you do it with Jesus Christ and make him your best friend, you will never do it alone. And it is so, so worth it. And that's what I would leave with you. So good. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Thanks for being with us. And you ladies, Markel, Susie, Laura, thank you so much for doing such a great service today. All right. Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers You Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers You Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And 
the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA-age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under MothersWhoKnow.lcs or search for Mothers Who Know, and on Instagram, username at Mothers underscore Who Know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mom power training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who Know website at motherswhoknow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at lifechangingservices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.